0: It's good to see you all here at Sunday School class. I'm going to open up in a word of prayer from the Valley of Vision. It's a collection of Puritan prayers and devotions with a little editing as I go along on a few parts. Let's pray. Great God, in public and private, in sanctuary and home, may my life be steeped in prayer, filled with the spirit of grace and supplication, each prayer perfumed with the incense of atoning blood. Help me, defend me, until from praying ground I pass to the realm of unceasing praise, urged by my need, invited by thy promises, called By thy spirit, I enter thy presence, worshiping thee with godly fear, awed by thy majesty, greatness, glory, but encouraged by thy love. I am all poverty as well as all guilt, having nothing of my own with which to repay thee. But I bring Jesus to thee in the arms of faith, rejoicing that his righteousness has satisfied thy justice. I bless thee that great sin draws out great grace, that although the least sin deserves infinite punishment because it is done against an infinite God, yet there is mercy for me. For For where guilt is most terrible, there thy mercy in Christ is most free and deep. Bless me by revealing to me more of his saving merits, by causing thy goodness to pass before me, by speaking peace to my contrite heart, Strengthen me to give thee no rest until Christ shall reign supreme within me in every thought, word, and deed, in a faith that purifies the heart, overcomes the world, works by love, fastens me to thee, and never clings to the cross of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. By God's grace, we are equipping ourselves here at Calvary Baptist Church to be prayer warriors. Prayer warriors. And one of the resources that the teachers have been using is a book by Jim George titled The Remarkable Prayers of the Bible. And today we're going to learn about a great Jewish leader, a, a great Jewish patriot of the Old Testament, and that is Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a man of remarkable purpose, a man of remarkable purpose. I have a question for you when you think about perfect purpose or chief end. The famous first question from the Westminster Shorter Catechism what is the chief end of man? Yes. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31, we are to do all to the glory of God. This is our purpose, this is our chief end. That is God's general purpose or general will for everybody. And a relevant example for today's lesson is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's command, it is God's general will for all Christians to pray without ceasing. We have a good example of this today in our lesson with Nehemiah. Nehemiah prayed without ceasing. And because he was faithful in praying, Nehemiah discerned God's specific will or purpose for his life. Being determined to glorify God leads to discerning God's specific will or purpose for our lives. That ought to be a great motivation to pay attention this morning. And by the way, this is part of what it means to prove or to find and follow God's will in Romans twelve two. You can look at that for homework. Please turn in your Bible to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. The major theme of the book of Nehemiah is the sovereignty of God. God is in control. It's the sovereignty of God in the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. We see God's providence in raising up a prayerful leader named Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the king Artaxerxes. And King Artaxerxes, the Persian king, he was king from 464 to 423 B.C. And as cupbearer, Nehemiah had the important job of testing the, the wine and the food to make sure it wasn't poisonous. He was protecting the king. And because of this, he had the king's ear. He was trusted and, it, and had access to the king and, in, and influence on the king. And I want to give a very brief historical context here. Some of you like names and dates. So very briefly historical context. The northern kingdom of Israel was judged by God for her unfaithfulness by falling to the Assyrians in 722 BC. And the southern kingdom of Judah was also unfaithful. The Babylonians were God's judgment tool for Judah from 605 to 586 BC. The Babylonian captivity lasted for 70 years. The Babylonians were conquered by the Persians in about 539 BC. And in 539 BC, Cyrus the Persian king, he decreed that God's people could return to Jerusalem. So, we have the first return led by Zerubbabel. That The first return in the temple was rebuilt by 516 B.C. Then Ezra led the second return of God's people many years later in about 458 B.C. And this brings us up to the book of Nehemiah chapter 1. And this is about, therefore, 13 or 14 years later. Brings us up to about 445 and in the beginning of chapter 1, Nehemiah learns that the Jews in Jerusalem are in great distress and they are a reproach. The walls of Jerusalem are still broken down and the gates are still burned. And we see Nehemiah's strength of character by his godly response in verse 4 to this. i like a volunteer to please read Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4. Thank you, Craig. I'll read that again. So it was, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah was brokenhearted to see his fellow Jews in Jerusalem in shambles. This sad situation was not glorifying God. We already have an example of Nehemiah Nehemiah that we can follow here. We We can do what he did. According to Romans chapter 12, Verse 15b, Romans 12, 15b, weep with those who weep. Nehemiah is so burdened, he begins to seriously pray. He's going to start start praying like a champion. And we notice here that he's going to combine fasting with his praying. And I have a question for you. Why do you think Nehemiah is going to fast along with his praying? you're thinking this but you didn't raise your hand he's really serious about this that's why this this situation is so serious he wants to know how, how how can he be used to glorify God here he is so serious that he starts to fast he is going without food so that he can feast on God's satisfying presence the problem in Jerusalem was so bad that Nehemiah desperately wanted direction he desperately wanted direction on how he could help his fellow Jews by serving them And we know according to Isaiah chapter 58, verse 4, Isaiah 58, 4, that Nehemiah wanted to make his voice heard on high. He wanted to be heard by God. He was serious. He fasted and prayed to get direction on God's specific will, God's specific purpose for his servant leadership. In such fasting and prayer, with the motive to glorify God, this was very productive for Nehemiah. We have an application for us right here. Before before giving up on a particular problem, let's humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God in prayer and fasting. Be motivated by this quote. Short quote here by John Wesley. He wrote this, "...bear up the hands that hang down by faith and prayer. Support the tottering knees." Have you any days of fasting and prayer? Storm the throne of grace and persevere therein, and mercy will come down. Nehemiah's powerful and persevering prayer is summarized in verses 5 through 11 here. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. I'd like to have a volunteer. Please read verse 5. Thanks, Seth. Thank you. I'll read it again also. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. The term mercy, I'm using the New King James Version of the Bible, but that term mercy is translated from a wonderful Hebrew term called hesed. And other Bible translations translate that as steadfast love or loving uh, loving kindness. Notice how Nehemiah begins his prayer. I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God. Nehemiah is praising our great and awesome God. He is adoring our great and awesome God. He is worshiping our great and awesome God. And we have been learning that prayer is worship. And David taught us this last week. Prayer equals worship. Prayer equals worship. And Jesus teaches us that. We must worship God in spirit and truth according to John chapter 4, verse 24. Not only must we preach the truth and teach the truth, and also the songs that we have here are theologically accurate. We must sing the truth. We must also pray the truth. We must pray the truth. Nehemiah. And not, not only to pray the truth, but pray the truth with the right spirit. And we see all through this prayer Nehemiah does this. He's praying according to an accurate view of God. And also, he's praying with the right spirit, with the right attitude. We must pray with the right spirit. That is, with a humble, submissive heart devotion. And we must worship God in truth according to how he has revealed himself in the Bible. Nehemiah reverently reminds God of the Mosaic Covenant with his people. He also worships God in truth by praising God for his mercy, for his steadfast love, Yes, God is faithful. God keeps His covenant promise to bless those who obey His commandments. But God is also faithful to be a just judge with respect to the Jews' repeated disobedience to His commandments. God warned He would chasten and curse His people for their unrepentant sin against Him. Nehemiah appropriately focuses on confession and repentance of sin in verses 6 through 9. And I'd like a volunteer to please read verses 6 and 7. Thank you, Denise. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Nehemiah beseeches God to please hear the prayers, the prayer of his servant. Oh, God, please condescend to hear my prayer of confession of sin. Nehemiah is, is praying day and night. Also, notice that he's praying day and night. This shows how serious it is. What does that remind you of with respect to 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16, 17, and 18 that I quoted earlier? Praying day and night is an example of praying without what? Ceasing. This is a good example. Praying without ceasing. This is what Jesus encourages us to do also. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Luke 18, 1. That men always ought to pray and to not lose heart. King David prayed like this in Psalm chapter 55, verse 17. Psalm 55, 17. Evening and morning and noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Nehemiah even confessed the sin problem of previous generations, right up to his generation, including himself. That's good leadership, including himself. He says, we have sinned against you. We have sinned against you. Nehemiah believed, Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 he who covers his sins will not prosper but whoever confesses and forsakes him will have mercy true confession is intertwined with repentance to forsake is to repent now in Nehemiah chapter 1 verses 8 through 9 Nehemiah will humbly but boldly, humbly but boldly, pray for God to remember his promise to Moses. I'd like a volunteer to please read verses eight and nine for us. Eric. Thanks, Eric. I'm going to read that again. Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you are cast out to the farthest part of the heavens. Yet I will gather them there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Notice what Nehemiah is doing here. In this prayer, he is quoting Moses from Leviticus and Deuteronomy. In other words, Nehemiah is praying what? Scripture. He is praying Scripture, and that's what we need to do. Pray Scripture. In humility, he agrees that the Jews were scattered among the nations for their unfaithfulness. But Nehemiah also boldly prays the promises of God. He boldly prays the promises of God to return to God. In verse 8, what does that mean? To return to God in verse 8 means to what? To repent. Yes, George. To repent. If the Jews repented from their sins, God promised to gather them to a special place of Jerusalem. And we know that God grants repentance. He grants repentance. Notice the word remember at the beginning of verse 8. Our pastor has taught us about how this is used in Scripture. Remember here at the beginning of verse 8 does not mean, it doesn't mean that uh, our all-knowing, omniscient God has forgotten anything, of course. I think that's clear, okay? Okay. What Nehemiah is doing here, Nehemiah is boldly beseeching God to activate his scriptural promises in response to his fervent praying, fervent praying. We have a few more applications here for us here this morning as we walk in the faithful steps of Nehemiah. E.M. Bounds wrote this in his short classic Purpose in Prayer. E.M. Bounds, Purpose in Prayer. And I'd just like to uh, recommend anything by E.M. Bounds, especially um, for examples of uh, biblical people praying and also great Christians throughout history. And what I get most when I read E.M. Bounds is a motivation to pray. If you want to be motivated to pray, books by E.M. Bounds, especially this one, will motivate you. Ian Bounds wrote this in Purpose in Prayer. The possibilities of prayer run parallel with the promises of God. The possibilities of prayer run parallel with the promises of God. If you're taking notes, I'd write that one down. I'm going to have to repeat it again. The possibilities of prayer run parallel with the promises of God. Now, we have to rightly divide, correctly handle the word here. By diligent study, we can interpret the Scriptures correctly so that we can pray the scriptures accordingly in the same vein Martin Luther said this to have prayed well is to have studied well to have prayed well is to have studied well in short pray the bible pray the bible please look at verse 10 Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 10 and I'd like a uh, volunteer to please read that verse. Thanks, Pam. Thank you. Nehemiah, in this verse, he's alluding to the redemption of God's people from Egyptian slavery, to their deliverance. God redeemed them, how? By his great power and his strong hand. Nehemiah is again, also notice Nehemiah is again, praising and worshiping God for God's attribute of what? God's attribute of omnipotence. God is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. Nehemiah expresses confidence in God to be faithful and exercising his almighty power for a second deliverance here. Nehemiah exhibits trust in God to answer his prayer, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah's been praying for direction, and he's already discerning that God wants to use him to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem for God's glory. And this is very important because four centuries later, think about the big, his, the, the big picture in redemption history. Four centuries later, Jesus would be walking the roads of Jerusalem, and he'd be crucified on the cross for sinners right outside the gate, and, ri- and he would rise triumphantly on the third day. Nehemiah exhibits trust in God to answer his prayer. And Nehemiah shows faith. He shows faith in God in his prayer. And this reminds me of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith Nehemiah diligently seeks God in persistent, passionate, all consuming, zealous prayer. This is pleasing to God. Nehemiah prays with great urgency. This is prayerful leadership. His attitude reminds me of John Knox, the great Scottish Reformer, who prayed, Give me Scotland or I die. Nehemiah's attitude, it's red hot, it's an inflamed passion. And that's how we must pray, and that's the kind of prayer that gets the ear of God. His attitude is this, O oh, great and awesome God, O oh, God, help me to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem for your name's sake or I die. Give me Jerusalem or I die. Please look at verse 11. Caliph, would you like to read verse 11 for us? Thank you. I like to draft somebody every now and then. Notice the repetition of a few words in this verse. Repetition. this is not vain repetition, of course. This is good repetition. Oh, Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. I say repetition because this repeats part of verse 6. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant. This repetition, what's it there for? It underscores the burning urgency of Nehemiah's praying. He beseeches God, please glorify your name by answering the prayer of your humble servant. Notice that Nehemiah also prays that God will hear and answer the prayer of God's faithful remnant of servants. Nehemiah realizes he's not the only one. There's other Jews part of the faithful remnant the elect of God, who are also praying. As a great leader, Nehemiah recognizes that he's not alone. This prayerful leader is going to lead prayerful followers. I have a question for you. What are two commonalities? In this verse right here, verse 11, what are two commonalities that we see of God's faithful remnant Of Jews. A couple things they have in common here in verse 11. One one thing is an attitude they have, and the other thing is something that they do. They probably do a lot. Pardon me, George? Pardon me. Yes, sir. Good. I'm sorry. Um, Right, they fear God They desire to fear God's name Desire or delight You may have in your translation To fear or revere God's name And Because of that, what do we see them doing In this verse How do they express that Yes, Seth Yes Prayer Prayer Sometimes the questions are so easy that you're bashful to answer. That's what happens sometimes. Exactly. Prayer. Those two things. Part of Isaiah chapter 26, verse 8. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 8 says this The desire of our soul is for your name. One Bible translation translation puts it this way Our heart's desire is to glorify your name. Now I have a question for you and for me. Is this our heart's desire to glorify the name of God? That's why we're here as a church at Calvary Baptist Church. That is the chief end of man to enjoy God and glorify Him. And, and by the way, God made us that when we're doing that, He puts joy in our hearts. And that also reminds me of John Calvin's motto. Here, Lord, I offer my heart sincerely and promptly. That was his motto. Consider this. Consider the connection between the joy of fearing God. Yes, the joy of fearing God and God prospering the prayer of his submissive servants. In other words, consider the connection between the joy-fearing God and God answering prayer. The next part of verse 11 says this. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray. Since Scripture is the best interpreter of Scripture, a few cross-references will be helpful here. Psalm 112, just sit back and enjoy this and soak up the Scripture. This is the best part of the Bible itself. Psalm 112, verse 1. Psalm 112, verse 1. Praise the Lord. In other words, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. To fear God is to delight in obeying God here. Consider this Psalm thirty seven, verses four and five. Psalm chapter thirty seven, verses four and five. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. Psalm 145, verses 18 and 19. Psalm 145, verses 18 and 19. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him. To all who call upon upon Him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear Him. He will also hear their cry and save them. Psalm chapter 1, verse 2. Psalm chapter 1, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. We learn that Nehemiah prays day and night. We also learn that he prays the scripture. You can't logically put these two together. It's a good assumption to conclude this. This means that Nehemiah is praying scripture day and night. Psalm chapter 1 verse 3 says this about such a blessed godly person. Psalm 1 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success all these scripture verses describe nehemiah's situation imagine this imagine this you're reading the book of nehemiah for the first time you don't have any you don't have any study notes Haven't heard anything about it. Imagine you don't know know the rest of God's story here, of God's providence in using Nehemiah to be the leader of rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem. Imagine you don't know those things. However, you do have the scripture in Nehemiah chapter 1, and you have these verses that I just went over for cross-references. Imagine that you had that, and then here's the question. Would you think that God would prosper Nehemiah? Yes. That's the answer to that. I know you're thinking that. Yes. The end of this amazing prayer in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 11 says this And grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Nehemiah prays that God will grant him mercy in the sight of King Artaxerxes. The first part of Psalm 103, verse 17, Psalm 103, verse 17, gives us further biblical insight into why God answers his prayer. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. God lovingly and lavishly poured out his mercy on Nehemiah God did exceedingly abundantly above all that Nehemiah prayed for. The God of heaven rained down mercy from heaven on Nehemiah. An application for us here at Calvary Baptist Church is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. At the end of verse 11, after this the prayer, Nehemiah writes, For I was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah's passionate, powerful, and productive prayer is truly foundational for all that follows in the book of Nehemiah. This is his most important prayer here. And there's many other prayers that we see in the book of Nehemiah. Remember, part of Psalm chapter one, verse three says that the blessed man is like a tree quote that brings forth its fruit in its season. God's timing is perfect, amen. God's timing is perfect. Providential timing is perfect. In Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse eleven, a says this: Ecclesiastes three eleven a Solomon wisely writes. That, quote, he, referring to God, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has made everything beautiful in its time. God answers prayer in his perfect providential timing. In a calculation from Nehemiah, chapter 2, verse 1, determines that four months have passed since the beginning of chapter 1. Nehemiah's been praying like crazy for four months. He prayed patiently in faith waiting on God's perfect timing to request King Oryxerxes to grant him permission to go to Jerusalem to rebuild its walls. Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through And it came to pass in the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad? When the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. In the beginning of the next verse. And I said to the king. This is Nehemiah's second prayer. In many of the prayers in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah are very brief, like this. So I pray to the God of heaven. Have you ever done that when you're talking with somebody? They're about to tell you something serious, have something serious to tell you, and then before they start it, real fast in your mind, you have about five seconds. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me to focus here and give me me direction. A quick prayer. And that's what Nehemiah does here. So So I pray to the God of heaven. By the way, He probably didn't even close his eyes because that could be misunderstood by the king in terms of safety and treasonous ideas. So I prayed to the God of heaven. So I have a question for you. What does this exemplify? This brief, short, uh, uh, Jim George calls it an arrow prayer. What does this exemplify about Nehemiah's uh, prayer life? That he said that a quick prayer Real fast. What does that exemplify? Pardon pardon me? Yes, this is really another example of praying without ceasing. And what type of prayer undergirds and makes a short prayer like this something that God would actually want to listen to uh, and answer? What lies behind this short prayer? Yes, faith and trust in God, and that has been developed by what? By seasons of long prayer, passionate, fervent prayer, prayer and fasting. Nehemiah's been thinking about this for four months, and he's been very patient, by the way, waiting for God's perfect timing. This was obviously the time. By the way, we can do that also, this concept of praying without ceasing during the day. We need God's help 24-7, amen? And we can, we can constantly be enjoying God's presence and praying short prayers. Sometimes when you're busy doing something at work that takes all your mental energies, at that point, you're focused on that. But as soon as you, your mind has a, you have a, a moment where you don't have to completely focus on what you're doing, or if you can multitask, you're doing something that doesn't take a lot of brain power at the time, You know, we can be constantly enjoying God's presence and feasting on God's presence and praying to God and communing with God and worshiping in God, just walking with God all the time. Dr. George or Mr. George talks about, uh, in one of the applications, praying hundreds of times a day. It's possible. When you're praying like that all the time, it it adds up. Let's see what happens. So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Guess what happens? The king responds favorably because God is working in the king's heart. God has the hearts of everybody in his hands. And in God's timing, God is the strong hand of God, the sovereign hand of God, controlling everything and working in people's hearts. And uh, Nehemiah says later, And the king granted them to me all the things that he requested, according to the good hand of my God upon me. That's the overall theme in the book of Nehemiah is the good hand, the good sovereign hand of God working in these events. So, King, Artaxer- king Artaxerxes granted uh, his request to go. Nehemiah would go and be the governor. And guess what? King Artaxerxes actually provided protection and also provided uh, the money. He actually financed the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. So what happens? Nehemiah goes. He's the governor. And he's a great leader. And one of the reasons he's a great leader is because he's been praying so much. He observes the walls. He goes at night to check out the situation. And he sees where they're broken down, and he considers it. And then he gives a, a, a rousing speech to encourage everybody. And they follow his leadership. And they, by the, by the, to the glory of God and by the power of God, they rebuild the walls in 52 days. It's a miracle of God. And even the pagans could realize this. This, put the, this uh, caused them to, to go, wow, God did this. So in the midst of doing this, with this prayerful leadership and these things we've been talking about, Uh, In the midst of a lot of opposition From outside And also from the inside Nehemiah persevered And led the rebuilding of the wall And not only did he lead the rebuilding of the wall We'll also see intertwined with this Is the rebuilding of of the community And what I would like you to do Is to read I hope you're excited about reading The rest of the book of Nehemiah We have focused this morning On the main prayer in, verse, in verses chapter 1 verses 4 through 11 and then we see an example of a short prayer and, there, and then there's some examples of other types of prayer in the book of Nehemiah and also um, notice when you're reading through the book of Nehemiah this is a great book on leadership we see, we see Nehemiah exhibiting many uh, great qualities in leadership he was working with the people he was determined and he was prayerful and he said he's a man of integrity. So when you read through the book of Nehemiah, look, notice the uh, leadership traits that Nehemiah is exhibiting. Before I give a brief summary of some of the uh, main prayer points that we learned today, this is the time for anybody to ask any questions, ideally relevant to to the text that we're discussing. Yes, Bill. Pardon me. In verses 8 and 9, well, first of all, he's he is focusing on he he, he admits that God, in the book of uh, Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28-30, to 30, the Mosaic Covenant, God says, I'll, I'm going to bless you if you obey. Okay, And if you disobey, I'm going to curse you. I'm going to scatter you among the nations. And that has already happened. He's, God has already kept his word. He's a, he's a just judge, and he, he kept his word and used the Assyrians to conquer the northern kingdom and the... Babylonians led by Nebuchadnezzar to conquer the southern kingdom, there's a, and there's a Babylonian captivity. So he's admitting that. He's already confessed, and he realizes, this, this is our fault that we're in this situation. What he's doing, though, is he's pray, he's thinking about the positive part. The other part of that, uh, when you look in the in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, it also says, if you'll repent, God promised, if you'll repent and come back, I'll bring you into the land. So he has already brought some... Uh, some of the people back to Jerusalem. So, Nehemiah is praying that we're confessing our sin. If we repent, I know that you, that you're, that you will bring us back into the land. That's a good question. That's a good question. But what we need to do is this. This is how you can apply this. First of all, um, the Christian life is one long repentance. We ought to be repenting every day. And also, we need to be encouraging others. Uh, part of praying for other people here at Calvary Baptist Church, we need to pray that the Holy Spirit will get a hold of people and, and cause people uh, to repent. And also, specifically, if you know somebody is hardened their sin, and they're not, they're not even convicted by their sin, um, you you want to pray that the Holy Spirit will wear them out, will go get them, and uh, bring godly contrition to their lives, and uh, cause them to repent. And also uh, in evangelism, that's what we want to pray. And even while you're, you're you're talking with somebody, you can be praying that the Holy Spirit you're praying that the Holy Spirit will uh, convict them of sin, so that they're a sinner, or lost, and on their way to hell. And they need to uh, have a godly sorrow. The, the godly sorrow leads to repentance, and the goodness of God leads to repentance. Pray that they will repent by God's grace, and they can't do that. They, really, they need a new heart first. We understand that here at this church. We believe in the doctrines of grace, and that is to repent. God has to give you a new heart, and he gives it to the elect. And instantaneously, when God, the Holy Spirit, uses the preaching of the gospel to give somebody a new heart, and they repent and trust and put their faith in Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, um, asking Jesus to save them from their sins and also be the Lord and master of, of their life. Does that partially answer the (laughs) question? Any questions about confession? Repentance? I want to briefly summarize some of the things that we learned today one of the things that we learned is that following nehemiah's example and you may want to ask you have questions about fasting you want to ask the pastor about that because some people do it with the wrong motive and it can be disastrous okay so but done rightly fasting all the spiritual giants in the past have some things in common. They read the Bible like crazy, they pray like crazy, and they fast. All those. When you read like, they write diaries and they talk about what they did. They all do that. So if you want to grow spiritually, you can learn about fasting. So pray and fast for spiritual power. And especially here, Nehemiah is so concerned about Jerusalem, he wants to get, he wants a, he's desperate to get focused. He wants to know God's will and he's willing to do anything. He wants it so bad he's willing not to eat and drink, and he wants to use that time to pray. So when you're really serious about something, you may, maybe think you've tried everything possible. You may, you may, maybe you haven't uh, tried everything, so to speak, and you want to combine praying and fasting with, with uh, your Bible reading on a particular issue. Or, and you can do that also praying for someone else. We learned about uh, praying in spirit and truth. We see that the, the, Nehemiah is praying with the right spirit, with the right attitude all through here. We see a combination of humbly but boldly. And he's praying in truth. He's acknowledging who God is. He's acknowledging who God is uh, correctly. Because he, he is very familiar with the scriptures. And yes, he would have access to a lot of scriptures because his buddy, Ezra, was a scribe. He had access to a lot of these scrolls. So pray in the spirit and in truth. And we learn that we're learning again. This is motivating to me. It's, um, it's worship. And sometimes we start off. Or you got a big problem? Go ahead. Sometimes you go right into that and talk about your problem. If you start off with how big God is and acknowledging who he is, I think David alluded to this point, then, you're, then it starts, you start automatically. You're focused on God and you got the peace of God. And you feel, already feel better about what you're praying about sometimes. Pray without ceasing. Day and, day and night we see him praying without ceasing. Be persistent in praying. He's persistent. Part of praying is confessing our sins. And by the way, true confession to all is intertwined, as I said, with repentance. Praying boldly in faith with urgency. Pray the Bible. That's powerful, praying the Bible. And part of praying also, part of the Bible, God's promises in the Bible, that apply to you. Most of them do, but not all of them. You've got to correctly handle the Word of God. And also, pray passionately. Pray passionately. <laughs> Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, first person of the Trinity, we thank you for who you are holy, just, loving, and merciful, and so compassionate and patient. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for your omnipotence, your omniscience. We thank you for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, to die on the cross for sinners. All those sinners, Heavenly Father, that you gave to Jesus to die for, all the elect. and we thank you for what he did on the cross paying the penalty for all those chosen to believe oh Father God we also thank you for the third person of the Trinity the Holy Spirit co-equal, co-eternal with you Father God and Jesus we thank you that the Holy Spirit helps us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus the Holy Spirit helps us to understand uh, the Bible when when we read it and helps us to understand and learn from Sunday school lessons. Heavenly Father, thank you for, at this point in Calvary Baptist Church, for teaching us about prayer. It's a blessing. Help us to understand how to pray better, uh, more passionately, more in spirit and in truth. And help us to implement uh, what we're learning here each week. And I thank you uh, f- for these teachers. And I, I ask you, oh God, please help me. Please help me and everybody here to apply what we uh, learned today. And perhaps one thing in particular s- stands out to each of us. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will really burn that truth into our hearts. And help us to uh, be changed, to be more like Jesus Christ. more Grow more sanctification with the application. Of that prayer principle, we thank you for the day, and it's the great it's the best day of the week, and I pray we enjoy it and grow uh, into the likeness of Jesus Christ in his name. I pray Amen.